I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics, where we keep the rationalist community informed about what's going on outside of the rationalist community. This is episode number 86. We're recording on July 3rd, 2023, which, as uh, our American listeners know, is the day before Independence Day, which also happens to fall on a Monday, so it's basically another holiday, which means I have been drinking mojitos for the past four hours. So how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I've been doing responsible adult stuff, but at my usual slow pace. Wow, what a loser. David, how are you doing? (laughs) My toes are in pain in ways I didn't know toes could be in pain. More about that in my troop deployment. (laughs) I was going to say, do not elaborate. Just leave it at that. All right, news. It's time for news. Um, So we're starting with there was a weird thing that happened in Russia. Yeah. um, Sorry for sniping you on this one, Wes. Uh, I feel like this is kind of my beat. Yeah, you're a a Russia guy, so you, you go ahead. Okay. I'll just pipe in with amusing anecdotes. So this is going to sound weird, but try to follow along. (laughs) Oh, it's pretty weird. So there was this caterer in Russia. (laughs) A caterer? Yes, a caterer. No, no, he said bear with him, Eniash. He was, in fact, the oligarch who dominated the Russian catering industry. Oh, so he didn't personally cater events. Uh, I assume he worked his way up, but I don't know. (laughs) Okay. And at some point, he thought to himself, hey, you know what's kind of like catering and would make me more important and prestigious? Mercenary work. (laughs) So he founded this gang of people we've probably talked on here before called Wagner Group. Listeners, he's not lying. This is what happened. Isn't it Wagner? Uh, whatever. Okay. Um, I mean, they say it in Russian, it, so it's, I'm yeah, sure, completely it, different from both of those. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, it is a reference to the composer of whom Hitler was a big fan. Yes, that is very likely where the name comes from. Uh, yes, that does mean this guy's probably a neo-Nazi. Very likely. Uh, in the years between this formation and uh, the invasion of Ukraine... The Wagner Group did a lot of Russia's dirty business for it. Uh, If you ever heard about sketchy Russians uh, mucking up places in Africa or, oh, I don't know, Syria, it was very probably these guys. uh, Russia, for a long time, was able to have its cake and eat it too, where they could achieve their sketchy geopolitical slash personal oligarchic goals. Uh, while still maintaining some level of plausible deniability in the international community. So these people are, you know, not exactly the cream of the crop, morally speaking. There's definitely a lot of, you know, rapists, murderers, etc. in Wagner Group. Ah, the moral cream of the crop, of which we're all members, I'm sure. Yes, and as you would expect, when Russia invaded Ukraine, Wagner was a major part of that initiative. Except there was some trouble in paradise. Uh, The Russian Ministry of Defense wasn't able to get credit for uh, a lot of the things Wagner did, and they wanted to, and also they were in charge of things like artillery support and provisions for Wagner, and since Wagner was making them look bad by actually, you know, doing their jobs remotely competently, <laughs> um, there they ended up, you know, 
dropping artillery on Wagner's head sometimes, not giving them the ammunition they requested. On one occasion, there was even an accusation that Wagner needed to keep a path of retreat open uh, to... Um, for their attempts to slow a Ukrainian advance, and the Russian military of defense mined their path of retreat with anti-personnel mines. Womp, womp. Oh, I feel so bad for them. Very bad. I am super sympathetic right now. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah. So this all um, culminated uh, about a week and a half ago, I think, when... When the Russian Minister of Defense announced that on January 1st, or sorry, not January, July 1st, uh, there would be a reorganization of the Russian military, including bringing Wagner and some other PMCs that no one really cares about uh, under direct control of the MOD. Is that Ministry of Defense? Yes. Okay. Uh, Prigozhin, the caterer, uh, did not wait until July 1st for this to happen, and instead decided to take his army of mercenaries, which were fighting in Ukraine. Uh, they were technically on uh, rest and refit at the time, but uh, they were deployed to Ukraine. And uh, march on Moscow, the capital of Russia, in an attempt to overthrow Putin or possibly just oust the Minister of Defense and his big crony. Uh, and they got most of the way there, shot down a couple of very valuable Russian air assets, including uh, blowing up an airborne command post, which had, I think, a lieutenant colonel and two majors aboard, among some other uh, relatively senior uh, Russian Air Force staff. And they got close-ish to Moscow, and then Prigozhin was like, Oops, just kidding. We worked out a deal with Putin. I'm going to go to Belarus now. And uh, Russia and Putin was like, yep, all good. Everyone's pardoned. Prigozhin needs to stay in Belarus. But other than that, no harm done. And as of today, he's still alive, right? Yeah, he's still definitely alive. I've heard that we'll see internal security has been... has. I've heard that Russian internal security has uh received a death warrant for him Mm. uh so if i were him i would stay away from second stories of buildings and ice picks in mexico but (laughs) yeah for now oh he is still alive i have at least a couple questions one of those was a stalin hit but putin is very much stalin light so yeah oh just a couple well, okay, the first one being that I initially heard this was sparked by uh, Russian missiles slamming into wa- Wagner lines and him being like, all right, fuck this, and turning around and marching up uh, marching up on Moscow to stop this sort of shit from happening, from killing his own men. Like I said, they were in rest and refit at the time that the coup question mark attempt was actually launched. I say question mark because if they were trying to overthrow Putin, then it was a coup. But if they were just trying to overthrow the Minister of Defense, then it was just a mutiny. Um, Ah, so it's mutiny then. I never thought I'd see the day. It's definitely (laughs) mutiny, possibly a coup. Um, But yeah, I, I can't see how they would have had friendly fire dropped on them while they were at base. But like I said, there have been 
fairly regularly recurring friendly fire incidents. So one of the things that was really fun about this is Prigozhin is on Twitter and likes to tweet a lot. And oh during God. this, he was definitely like, we're going to Moscow to overthrow Putin. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I believe he's tried to walk that back. But during the thing, he was like, yeah, we're taking him out. And also, there was no need to not denazify Ukraine. What are we? What are you even talking about? Which is really funny, coming from a neo-Nazi. Oh yeah. That <laughs> so I'm like, does he mean it's okay that they're Nazis, or does he mean that they're not Nazis? Yeah, that that's one of the be- my favorite parts of this whole saga. Uh, before when he announced that he was launching the coup, which by the way, don't announce that you're launching a coup. Just do it. Uh, but when he announced that he was launching this coup, Prigozhin put up a video on Telegram of him basically ripping apart the entire uh, justification for the three-day special military operation to denazify Ukraine. <laughs> well, I bet that was tough. Yep. I couldn't. I couldn't think about how to poke holes in that. All right. So, what does this mean? Like, is there, are there any implications of this at all? Didn't they take a major city along the way as well? Uh, yes. So they, they staged the coup in Rostov-on-Don, which is the primary headquarters for the Russian oblast, which borders Ukraine, which also means it's the primary headquarters for the entire invasion force. And there was no, like, resistance there, right? Like, everyone was just kind of like, ah, oh, lots of guys. All right, you win. More or less, yeah. Nice. Um, All right, so what happens now? That is the million-dollar question right now. <laughs> um, I like – because, like, on so, some hand, I'm like, wow, this makes Putin look weak. But on the other hand, I'm like, or does it make him look strong? That he, like, defuse this immediately? Yeah, so, so there's a lot of up-in-the-air questions right now. Uh, and most of them are going to be contingent on whether Prigozhin stays alive, uh, whether Ooh, not bad Wagner – actually gets like punished in some capacity because other than progression what i heard was they're just getting they're just getting like incorporated into the russian military now that is something people are talking about but it hasn't officially happened yet uh wagner recruiting centers are still open still referring people to training centers etc um and uh whether the uh because, uh, like you said, a lot of Russian military, um, well, Wagner claims that a lot of Russian military assets joined them. Uh, we aren't sure how much that happened. There's not a lot of evidence for it other than Wagner's say-so, and these guys have their own armies of bot farms spreading disinformation. Um only time in this show's history, I think, that I've used that word unironically, <laughs> but, um... Uh, we do know for sure that a lot of Russian military uh, units did not actively resist the coup. Uh, so their column drove past uh, Russian military units and the units didn't try to stop them or shoot at them or anything. So uh, they also uh, are probably do a crackdown and probably a more general purge of Russian upper brass. And the long-term implications are really going to depend on how those three things pan out, and none of them have decidedly pan- decisively panned out yet. Um, there will be a link in the show notes to a uh, 
video by the um, YouTuber, YouTube military analyst guy, uh, Perun, and he goes through basically the story I just told you, plus uh, more general information about coups and uh, what the implications for this might look like. It is excellent, uh, and I recommend you check it out if you want to learn more. All right, definitely listen to that guy and not us dumbasses. Yeah. I've heard there's yeah, already he actually a, uh... knows what he's doing. He has PowerPoint <laughs> yeah. slides. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. He's got a slide deck? Well, we got yeah. this stupid shared doc. Definitely defer to him. Yeah. I think there's a general that's like been missing and is reportedly being questioned since, uh, since this happened. Uh, Sergei Sorovikin? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, I think he's a lieutenant general and... Wait, no, was he the one that Wagner tortured? Uh, yeah, something else that happened <laughs> at one point in retaliation for Just one of the friendly fire incidences. Um, Wagner captured and tortured a uh, either a colonel or general in the Russian army. Womp Damn. womp. They're the good guys, though. I swear. <laughs> All right, we ready to move on from this? Yeah. All right, next story, France. What's going on in France? France is on fire. Ooh, <laughs> so's Canada. I can't breathe again. Yeah, but Canada's on fire for natural reasons. Well, why is France on fire? France is on fire because there's a very unhappy group of people in France uh, that wants to ah. show their unhappiness by burning things. So they're, uh, they're doing some fiery but mostly peaceful protests? Yes, mostly peaceful protests all mostly across France peaceful. right now. <laughs> just, just lots of things burning. Uh, spontaneously combusting. Yeah, just, yeah. When rioters Who are knows around. what happened? Yeah. Uh, uh, so how, what's going on? How did this? What, what, what are people rioting about? I mean, uh, protesting about. There. I mean, is, having a small localized demonstration about. Just peacefully marching. Yes. Uh, but, so what's the problem? All right. The, this goes back a little ways, but France, as many Western countries, um, is like many Western countries, is currently going through a bit of a demographic problem where the population is aging and they don't have a lot of new young people doing the stuff young people do, taking the entry-level jobs and whatever. They've had a lot of migration over the past decade, uh, and a lot of their current youth is made up of migrants and the first-generation children of those migrants. Uh, France also famously has insanely shitty employment laws, which makes it very hard for Ugh. young people in particular to get jobs their youth oh, unemployment so is fucking off the charts right like the problem is you can't fire anyone in france yeah so, so you nobody wants them. to hire anyone yeah. they're like you basically have to offer them a lifetime job right so it's super hard to get a job uh, um not that that creates you know bad incentives or anything you do you france right and certainly doesn't cause lots of social strife and unrest no not at all so there has been this for is completely unrelated yeah, and I'm, I'm sure everybody has been hearing about the issues that France is having with uh, the, the old-timey French c complaining about the migrants not integrating and having their own Muslim enclaves and all that, because almost all the migrants are from the uh, North African Muslim countries. Uh, like I said. Don't act like people have heard of that. Have they not? I haven't heard of that. Oh, okay. That, I mean, that's I, a thing. You know, For I hear about people complaining about immigrants, but I hear about that in every country all the time. Oh, a few years ago, France tried to uh, make it, pass a bill making it illegal to build minarets past a certain height. Oh, uh, oh and they tried to ban headscarves, too. Or maybe they actually did that. Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe they actually, that actually worked. They just did it. Uh, so, yeah, those are, those are 
parts of the fallout from this yeah. cultural clash. Uh, anyways, uh, they have a minority population of a different ethnicity that is um, having economic issues. Uh, we have had that in our country too, but uh, in France, they're, you know, slightly different circumstances. Much like always happens in these circumstances, the police and the minorities uh, have a not-too-great relationship. Uh, recently, a 17-year-old minority kid was stopped at a traffic stop, did various bad trafficy things, I don't know. Apparently, he had some kind of a record with the police, maybe? Not clear yet if the guys that pulled him over knew this at the time. But... It is not uncommon procedure in France, apparently, for the police officer to lean on a car. So if someone starts to try to get away, uh, it is defending yourself because the car is pushing against you, which is a deadly weapon. Totally. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so these Nothing to complain about there. <laughs> these cops pulled him over. Uh, they are, I don't know, writing him a ticket or something. The video, I'm not sure what exactly is going on in the video. But interestingly... Uh, one of the cops has his gun drawn and is aiming it right at the kid in the windshield. Uh, and for some reason, the kid decides this is a good idea to try to get away from the cops and speeds off and the cop fires once and it kills the, the kid. I, I keep saying kid. He's 17 years old. In my personal opinion, you're an adult basically at that point, but whatever. Let's just say young adult. A young adult. Thank you. Uh, he dies. And as a result, the minority population in France riots like motherfuckers, specifically the young men, of which there are many because of the demographic reasons we discussed earlier. Uh, and now the place has been burning for quite a while. Uh, five nights now, I believe. We've had over 2,000 cars burned. 700 businesses have been looted and damaged. These are all numbers from before this last night, by the way, so it's probably higher now. Uh, the sub a, sub a mayor's house in one of the suburbs was rammed by a car and set on fire while his wife and kids were inside. They did get out okay. Uh, they've burned down schools, libraries, city halls, police stations, post offices. Uh, 2,000 people so far have been detained or arrested across the five nights. 200 police have been injured. And I've got links to a lot of videos just so showing all sorts of shit burning. It's kind of nuts over there. So I also heard they at one point broke into a prison and let a lot of prisoners out. Do you know anything about that? I do not. Hmm. I think and, you may be thinking the best deal. Uh, no, <laughs> no, that's, that's why. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're talking about the best deal. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, that's why I remember this particular little tidbit, because my initial reaction was, oh, I see they're integrating with French culture just fine. <laughs> nice. Um. I also heard that uh, for a while the police were prohibited from riot busting and uh, at one point like a chief of police threatened to overthrow the government if they weren't allowed to intervene. Yes, there was a letter published by a union saying basically we have to retake our cities and I would, in my opinion, saying that he's threatening to the overthrow of the government is quite a bit of hyperbole, but it was definitely a strongly worded uh, we are on the verge of civil insurrection here, and we need to fucking do something about it. Letter. Uh, they, so, do these they protesters have, have demands? Is there any like organization here? No, Wes. That's it's just... like it's like we lived through these riots over COVID. It they just run around and burn and loot. All right, so it's just the same as the like George Floyd protests. Yes. Well, so like during that, we had a bunch of groups like trying to claim that they were speaking for everyone and having demands. I don't. Think I like they can't wait a lot. Um, unfortunately, that got sort of completely subsumed by the whole idiotic uh, defund the police thing. But it was it, 
they had like a good set of things for a while. So I personally have not heard uh, anything along those lines. I also get most of my news from the standard mainstream sort of liberalish sources. So, right, so you don't I know. would ex- well, I would expect that if someone is talking saying we demand that these areas are under Sharia law and whatever, then that would not be reported by the news sources I'm I, I'm listening to. Yeah, I'd be very skeptical that anyone is asking for that. I I'm sure somebody has said it, but it wouldn't be reported. Right. I I yeah. I'm sure that's not what these riots are about. No, no, it's just people being angry and wanting to burn stuff. Well, you know, sometimes you want to burn stuff. What are you going to do? I mean, I understand the impulse. Have they formed formed any autonomous zones? That was the fun (laughs) part about the Floyd protests. Where they're like, we're a separate country now. I think those took more than five nights to to form in the U.S., so probably will take a little bit longer. No, you're doing it wrong. There are actually. This is a great thing to do, but like, not like this. There are people who argue that there have been autonomous zones within France for quite a while now where the police just don't bother to go anymore that are basically ruled by whatever strongmen oh. have taken over there. I mean, we have those in America, too. Okay, well. I don't know then, where they are, but yeah, I hear things. Can I give my own bad take on this? No, no takes. This is a takes-free podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm in the wrong podcast. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's all takes. Okay. I can't believe you haven't given your take all, the whole time. Uh, well, what are you even doing? All right. If, Eniash, what's your take? My take is that if you are at a dead stop and a cop has a gun in your face from about a foot away, if you start speeding off, that says to me you have something to fear from the cops finding out what you have done recently. That Very true. All right, I'm with you so far. Taking the bullet is worth the risk of no. them not right. finding that out. All right. T- like, totally off the rails. Dude, if somebody was pointing, if I, I would imagine, holy shit, maybe that guy has a kid in his trunk or something, if he is speeding okay. away while a gun is pointed at okay. him. Okay. No? No? We went through this in the 90s. Did okay. Lo- people run from the cops because they are br- they, they are breaking the law and somehow yes. uh, they, they have something they don't want the cops to find out about. All yeah. right. It is very, very often not a thing worth shooting someone over. Then don't run away if it's not worth getting shot over? Okay. Inyash. Yeah? I, I, see, this is where your authoritarian tendencies are coming out. You're I, like, well, I have a gun, so don't run from me if you don't want to get shot. I don't have a gun. <laughs> I'm saying you should not run from someone pointing a gun at you unless what <laughs> getting shot is better than them finding out You've done a thing. That's like saying, don't say things I don't like unless you want to get punched in the face. No, that is not at all. It is 100% the same thing. There's two other problems with that. Number one, people who are having these interactions with cops are usually some kind of criminal. Yeah. Oh, no, not a criminal. And criminals are notably, you know, let's just say uh, lower IQ than the middle parts of the bell curve. And also, when you are having an intense interaction with the police and there's a gun pointed in your face, human brains are not well architectured for doing reason cost benefit analyses over the under those conditions. Sure, I will grant those things. I will say that if a criminal is fleeing from the cops, you think it's better for the criminal to be let free and go into the community again than yes. to have a bullet put into the criminal. Yes, mm. that is not a hard question. I don't know. I I am very I am very negative on criminals being running around free around my loved ones. But if you don't know what they did, then tough luck, buddy. 
No, like if this what... is a person who's going around shooting people indiscriminately, then yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but that is just like that. The cops that can have a problem if you shoot that guy. If you can articulate a reason why you think this person is a danger of the to the community. If they're just like, hey, I don't want to get stopped by the cops right now. I'm gonna run. Like there is no that is. You, you do not have enough information to think that person is a danger to the community. That is just a person who doesn't want to get caught by the cops. And guess what? I don't want to get caught by the cops ever, no matter what I'm doing. So, like, that's I, I not think, a reason to shoot somebody. Well, well you can't, that you're you running can't from infer the... that they're, they're a danger to the community. You just can't infer that they're a danger to the community of sufficient magnitude to justify on-the-spot execution. All right, two things. First, uh you absolutely can infer they're a danger to the community if they're running from the cops. That's what running from the cops means. What? Uh, second, Why? What if they just have drugs? Well, okay, they shouldn't They shouldn't have anti-drug laws. This is a... <laughs> okay, but that's this is the whole thing. Big, There's lots is, of stupid laws, Ineage. Yeah, yeah. Especially I, in France. Just every, because you're a criminal doesn't mean you're a danger to the community. I believe that taking the risk you might get caught and spend a couple of years in jail is part of the part of a thing that is just taken for granted if you're dealing drugs what oh my you, god no maybe not uh, the, Listen. The, the more important part is this is not summary execution like shooting someone with a pistol rarely results in their death not rarely uncommonly results in death Eniash. david back me up on this you... how often does someone take a single bullet from a pistol and die from it like if they are quickly rush to a hospital which they would be if the cops are right there on the scene yeah so you're right not often i think it's like around 20 percent uh of the time but that's still enough that i'm comfortable calling it at least probabilistic execution i think this wouldn't be an issue if there weren't stupid drug laws the fact that there are does suck yes i do not want if there weren't stupid laws i agree with that yeah i do not want my drug dealers getting shot but everything if every time you broke the law it meant you were a danger to the community Mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe this would be reasonable. But uh, we are not in that world. There are lots of laws that you can break without being a danger to anybody. Uh, and the, you not wanting to get caught by the cops is not at all an indication that letting you go would make the community worse. Um, I don't know. You know. No. It, no. No, it is evidence. It's just not strong evidence. Sure. Sure. It's, it's, makes, it's more likely. That you're a danger to the community, but like not likely enough that I think it justifies shooting you. I think don't run if the cops have a gun in your face is a very simple heuristic. All right. Eniash is yeah. now an authoritarian. I am not. I mean, <laughs> listen to yourself. <laughs> do we I mean, do we have laws or not? Because if we have he laws, out we as have... a 90s style cyberpunk and now he's advocating for authoritarian policing and nuclear war. How the mighty have fallen. God right? damn it. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, sorry. Let's move yeah. on to the It'll next happen story. happen to you, too. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next story. Eniash. Let's yeah. try to, you know, not be like horribly authoritarian about this. Um, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. So this is a story about Twitter. Nobody Everybody should loves tweet, Twitter. <laughs> and we're gonna force you not to. Yes, if you tweet, you're bad, and you're gonna get shot, um, or just maybe not be able to tweet anymore. Uh, or yeah, yeah. No. All the, right. So what's the news? What happened? The news is that a few days ago, uh, July first, in in fact, uh. 
Elon capped, well, Elon, Twitter, and it was announced through Elon's account. It was Elon. Uh, let's, not, okay. let's not mince words here. He did it. I, I suppose. Nobody else was like, this is a great idea. Decided that people will be capped at how many tweets they can load per day, as in are loaded up and sh- put onto your screen. Uh, ostensibly to stop the bots. Ostensibly to stop the bots from scraping all of Twitter data and getting all that delicious AI training material. Uh, this was originally set at 6,000 tweets for people who ate all- who pay the $8 a month, and 600 tweets for people who don't. It was later up to 8,800, which seems like a lot to me. I don't think I've ever read 600 tweets in a day. I probably did, like, the day after Vibe Camp. So have you ever been scrolling through the feed, skipped a bunch of tweets, and then read, like, uh, let's say, 80? I don't don't think so. A 10 to 1 skip to read ratio is... um, Seems reasonable to me from what are I you, know of Twitter. Are you just randomly flicking your screen to skip 10 tweets for no reason? I mean, I don't use Twitter, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't just like randomly flick down. That'd be weird. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I can see hitting more than 600 in a day. If you are really on Twitter a whole lot and you read fast and I don't know, you do it while driving and eating and pooping and everything, but 6,000, I don't see how that could be reached. And even 600 would be, would be hard for yeah. me. Uh, 600 also, poop tweets. I'm uh, also but- given to understand that this system was not particularly well implemented, which, you know, makes sense because it was apparently pretty rushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the actual limit was Twitter's not going to work for you at all most of the time. Yeah, okay. I mean, Twitter worked for me, but I wasn't on it that much. Right, I didn't have any problems, but also not on it very much. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't. I have not. I have not heard anyone upset about the six thousand number, or okay. which is apparently eight thousand now. I ha- I've heard several people upset about the six hundred number. Okay, I feel like lots of people go through more than that in a day. I suppose if you read fast and you mostly con- t- consume small tweets, or if you're obsessed, or if you're obsessed, sure, sure, yeah, that too. Which you know, I, I think the power spending- users are. I think if you're spending multiple hours a day on Twitter, you might get value out of that $8 a month, but eh, maybe it's still shitty to pay for something that used to be free. I mean, I'm actually fine with people charging for things, um, being like, well, we were providing this service, but like, look, we can't make it work financially. We're going to have to charge for it. That's fine with me. Hear that, free listeners? Yeah, free (laughs) listeners. You might be cut off someday. You won't be. There was, spe- oh, <laughs> but you're not getting all the good stuff. Oh, man, we had a right. whole thing before we started today that you're missing out on. It was awesome. It was the best content we've ever made. Probably yeah. unironically true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so pay us and you'll get access. There is speculation that this was not done to stop the bots, but because Twitter's infrastructure is flagging. No, uh, <laughs> Elon wouldn't lie about that. In particular, the there, there was a major contract with Google Cloud that was supposedly ending June 30th, and they were having issues with the renegotiation. Um, this is all speculation. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe they got more compute to run Twitter, uh, but, you know. People are speculating because that's what people do. All right. It's speculation, but there's a pretty good heuristic that when Elon says, it's the bots, he's lying. <laughs> like, he's he's blamed the bots for everything. Like, when he tried to get out of buying Twitter, he was like, it's the bots. There's so many bots. They, they didn't tell me there were all these bots. <laughs> and it's like, actually, you just uh, pretty sure you just like feel like an idiot because you way overvalued this. And he's like, no, it's the bots. 
And then Every- he was like, look, we have to charge to verify people because of the bots. Right? Yeah. You're like, I think you just want money. <laughs> he's like, no, it's the bots. And now he's like, ah, we got to limit tweets, you know, because of the bots. Right. So I'm noticing a pattern here. Every time he needs to swap out a wife, it's because of the bots. Yeah, right? I have to divorce my wife. It's the bots. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, my favorite I, conspiracy theory, uh, which I is that think Elon is Musk now is comprehensively debunked. Uh, no, it's that uh, he did this in an attempt to prevent the French rioters from uh, coordinating <laughs> on that. Twitter. Oh, yeah, like Elon gives a shit about France. Mm. Yeah. I will say it's probably good for society as a whole if all of civilization is capped at 600 tweets per day. Just, just force people to stop doom scrolling. So you say um, that, but then they'll just move to something else and keep doom scrolling. Or yeah, or make multiple accounts or whatever. I don't know. Oh yeah, true. You could just do a second account. Uh, well, fun, fun Twitter news. Speaking of frivolous shit that doesn't matter, our next story is about Barbie. This has to be our last story because this is the best story in the world. No, it is not going to be our last story. We're covering it now. <sighs> Fine. Vietnam has banned the Barbie film. No! Yes. You will not believe why. I... You already read this, didn't you? No, I actually have no idea. Take a guess as to why Vietnam is banning the Barbie film. Uh, titties? Short, is... short, short shorts? That is an incorrect guess. David, do you have a guess? I have already read the outline. Ooh, the color pink. Because I actually do my job. <laughs> it is because there is a map in the Barbie movie that supposedly shows China's unilater- unilaterally claimed territory in the South China Sea as belonging to China. Oh, my God. <laughs> this. Okay. So I haven't seen the movie because it is not out in theaters. So maybe there is some other map somewhere that in great detail shows the South China Sea and how it is actually owned by China. But in the trailer, you can see a map of the real world, which has Asia on it and Greenland and various arrows and dotted lines. It is a cartoon map that baby that Barbie drew on the blackboard with crayon or some shit. Um, there... There is no South China Sea demarcation on the map anywhere. Look at the fucking map. We have a link. It is it is a fun, hilarious cartoon map. Look at the All right, I'm nine... following the link. Oh my god. That's so <laughs> stupid. Look at the nine dash line link. It uh, doesn't even is... say China. It just says Asia. <laughs> and it's not coming out anywhere near the Vietnam Peninsula. I, it is I mean, way off no to the north. What this any of this is. All right, now click on the nine dash line link because that is the the term that for this line that everybody hates that demarks the South China Sea. It's made up of nine dashes in the original thing that was right, presented to that. the United Nations. You, you know, these are you, by the way, listeners. These links are going to tweets, so they're using up a couple of your six hundred here. Uh, one of them is going to a tweet. The other one is going to Wikipedia. I think. I uh, know both of these went to tweets, so you oh. better edit those because I, I, yeah, this is not that. the nine dash line. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, yeah, um, this, is, uh, this is the wrong link. And this goes to another one of your fucking tweets. And if Mother you don't Effers. have Twitter, which I don't, uh, then thanks to Elon's newest or second to newest change, which got buried in the drama around his newest change, you won't be able to read it at all. So it sucks to oh, be you. Yeah, I heard that, too. It's like, oh, this shit's not public anymore. You have to sign in. Yeah. What's like, what are you doing? Eniash, would you stop trying to edit the outline while there, we're talking? There's the here? nine dash line. Click on that. So you can uh, see this kind of U-shaped line uh, that is made up of nine dashes. The closest I can find to that in the cartoon map is that oh, sort no. of... Oh, no. No, I totally get it. No, now I get it. 
Now you get yeah, it. Yeah, because the cartoon map's got a little Florida dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this is. The, please explain. Now, so you know how Florida is a dick, right? Yes, yes. So the, the, the map of Asia on uh-huh. the map has uh-huh. a Florida. Yeah. And um, actual Asia does not have a Florida. But that- this nine dash line looks like Asia's Florida. <laughs> no, I I think I that think is it's the most talking ridiculous about, shit I've heard. No, I think it's talking about the dashed line off the uh, east coast of Asia. Yes, yes, it no. is a Florida. No, so start at the Florida the dick and then go straight north into the ocean, and there's this dashed line. Right. Right. Th- Did you look at the Barbie map? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I can't believe I'm spending my life on this, but here I am. <laughs> All right, look at the Barbie map. You see there's like the Florida dick on the, in the southeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see the Florida That's not a part of dick. Asia. That's not what Asia looks like. There's right. no dick at the end there. So first of all, yes, this is a crazy, stupid cartoon crayon drawing. That's not no, what anything looks no, like. No, I'm on Vietnam's side now. All right, you think that little dick down there is supposed to be a That's demarcation of international waters? What else could it be? It That's could... not what Asia looks like. Why is there a little dick in the bottom? Because <laughs> she thinks Asia's Florida. I don't know. It's be- it's the nine dash line. All right, look to the what right of the word. Look to the right of the word Asia. You don't think that is a more likely candidate for the nine dash line? I mean, yeah. What is that? There's a weird dashed line. Okay, first of all, it's only eight dashes. Second of all, it's not shaped like a U, like a dick, like uh, the nine-dash line is. And third of all, it's coming out of the east side of Asia, way to the north of where the nine-dash line is. So it obviously can't be that. Look over to where Greenland is right now. Inyash, I should warn you, I am very bad at geography. (laughs) And this map of the nine-dash line is very zoomed in, so I don't actually know where this is. This is, I mean, it's by the Vietnam-Cambodia Peninsula that's below China. Oh, no. No, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, this is exactly this is exactly the thing. I think you're nuts. I think it looks more like the dash line that's up over by Greenland. No, look actually, at the dash yeah, line that's by Greenland. You don't think that looks more like the nine dash line? No, you're right. Actually, yeah, because this could this could just be like the I don't know what peninsula this is, but there's like a peninsula south of uh, China that has like Laos and Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam. Yes. And that could just be what that is. Yes, that is so, what it is. So when I was like, what's the dick? You say, it's that peninsula. God. I was trying. You no. wouldn't let me talk. You talked so much. That's true. I talk a lot. <laughs> and none of it None of it was that. Was it, the dick is Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> Title of this episode, the dick is Vietnam. The dick is Vietnam. Uh, All right. I'm going to make that an alternate title. Awesome. But yeah, All no, right. this, this, this is... Crazy, in my opinion. Also, oh. you want to take a poll? I do want you to take a poll. There is a link to a poll, our totally non-biased scientific poll, where three of the options are no. Uh, would you, if you saw that cartoon map and the actual map of a nine-dash line, which are linked in the tweet above it, would you in any way possibly think that you would see yeah, the headline? Yeah. You're, you have a, a, an option on this poll that says yes slash results. Yeah, that's for people so- who want to see the results. No, that's that's also people saying yes. No, that's a, that nobody it's says yes. Yes, slash results. Oh the God. yes is a troll. This is for the trolls. Forty percent of the one voters troll. are trolls. You are <laughs> yeah, trolling. me too. I enjoy trolling. All right, D- uh, people, don't waste your tweets on this. All right, I'm sure there's six hundred better tweets <laughs> than Enosh's dumb poll. I, mine is at least. I'm as gonna good. link it, but I, uh, I'm gonna feel dirty doing it. 
I All just right. realized that uh, I forgot to mute my mic when I took a vape hit just now. Wes, I need you to not delete that. It'll be as good as the audio <laughs> you guys were producing at the time. You are not wrong. All right. Uh, I'm done with this stupid topic. It's, uh, it is stupid, but this is the best news story I've seen right, in so long. All right, all right. We're going to go to the real news, which is the Supreme Court term ended. So we've got all kinds of Supreme Court stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. To start with, uh, we have updates on Supreme Court corruption. Turns out Alito was also taking, like, favors from billionaires that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and not reporting them. Shocking. Um, I know, David, you don't care, but yep. I think that's a little uh, a little questionable. Now, this time, it's even worse because it was from a guy who, like, had cases before the Supreme Court, like, ten times. Oh, damn. Um, so, and Alito, you know, there was no hint of recusal. He was like, nah, I'm good. I also <laughs> see the billionaire in question was apparently Peter Singer's evil twin brother. I don't, I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, just his name being Paul Singer. Is that actually his brother or are you just making a joke no, about his name? No, I'm just making a joke about his name. So, first case, Students for Fair Admission versus Harvard, which is the one that killed affirmative action. Uh, you've probably heard about this. Yes. Um, this was, I, I don't mean you. I know you've heard about it. I'm talking to the audience. Oh, um, I feel far less special now. <laughs> I like it when you speak to me directly, Wes. <laughs> I know that you do. Um, okay, so this was a 6-3 opinion written by Roberts, breaking down on entirely party lines. Um, so the the theory is that the colleges are subjected are subject to Title VI because they accept federal funds. There was no dispute about that, so they are um, they are subject to federal law, and that the court found that their affirmative action programs deny equal protection because they they give people basically extra points uh, for being a minority, which you know sounds an awful lot like racism to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Prior Supreme now, so is what's interesting here is there a Supreme Court precedent saying that universities can use um c- they can use race as like as part of a point system um in a case called Grutter v Bollinger and the Supreme Court didn't actually overturn this and the reason is that because this was an opinion written by John Roberts and this is what he fucking lives for. Right. This is why he joined the court. This is why he gets up in the morning. He probably got a huge boner writing this opinion. <laughs> like this is John Roberts everything he wants. Which is like we're gonna we're gonna do a super conservative thing. We're gonna overrule a precedent I hate, but we're gonna pretend we're not doing it so we can maintain our uh legitimacy. <laughs> Wait, if they are pretending they're not doing it well enough, doesn't that just mean they didn't do it? No, because everyone, like, all the courts know they did it. But the 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 journalists can be like, well, uh, they didn't overrule it, so. And it doesn't actually work that way. But that's how it used to work. And Roberts thinks that, like, that's what good jurists do. Like, I'm not kidding. This is his whole thing. Like, when he, like, like so, so when they overturned Roe v. Wade, Roberts was against it. Because what he wanted to do was exactly this. He wanted to, like, overturn all the old laws but pretend he wasn't and be like, no, we're just, like, we're just narrowing them. We're not overturning them. So what he did in this opinion was he said, okay, well, like, 
Relying on this prior precedent, there are three elements for an affirmative action program to be legal. It has to pass strict scrutiny, it can't rely on stereotypes, and it has to have an endpoint. Now, that's what? not what at is all. strict scrutiny? So strict scrutiny is the highest form of scrutiny that the court gives to any law. Um, for something to pass strict scrutiny, it has to be serving a compelling government interest, and it has to be narrowly tailored to serve that interest. Give or take the uh, Bruin test. Well, yeah. Well, no, that's not strict scrutiny. That's a completely different thing. Yeah, it's like notionally supposed to be strict scrutiny plus, but... Well, no, but in Bruin, they specifically said like, no, this isn't strict scrutiny. This is a different thing. Okay. Well, we talked about that a lot previously. Go on. Yeah. But so Grutter v. Bollinger did not say that. Grutter v. Bollinger said it has to pass strict scrutiny. It didn't give any any other elements, right? Hmm. But Roberts is like, no, it's got three elements now. Um, and also, these programs fail all three. Um, one, because uh, their goals, which are like sort of weird nebulous, nebulous things, like we want to train future leaders and to have excellent education. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, well, those aren't measurable enough. And for strict, strict scrutiny, you have to like measure your outcomes. You can't just rely on vague stuff like this. Okay. Um, they also, he also said, look, there's no clear connection between the goals you're articulating and this affirmative action program. So, like, you want to say you want to train future leaders and you want to establish, like, excellent education and you need diversity for that, right? But, like, also, you don't make any distinction between different types of Asians. And uh, guess what? Asians are kind of different depending on where they're from. (laughs) Um, Same with Hispanics. They're like, oh, well, Hispanics are all the same. (laughs) <laughs> um, there's no category at all for Middle Easterners. So he's like, uh, I mean, so this doesn't seem like actually narrowly tailored to commit to, to do this. This seems like racism. Yeah. Um, it also, they also said like, this is, you can't do this because it's using race as a negative factor. Clearly, because just look at the fucking numbers for Asians. You're clearly discriminating against Asians and don't pretend you're not. <laughs> At least they said it out loud. Yeah, and also, so the other point was you can't rely on stereotypes, and you're clearly doing that because you're just assuming that someone, if someone is a certain race, they're representing their racial category. Oh, damn good point. Uh, which yeah, you know, is pretty racist. I'm with mm-hmm. Roberts on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also lacks a logical endpoint. So like, <laughs> Roberts is just kind of making up that Grutter was like, it has to end at some point. Um, but given that. Um, given that requirement, it's like this has no endpoint. They could just say that it ends when racism in America is over, so never have to end it. Exactly, and he's like, no, okay, <laughs> it's got to be like you got to have some criteria for when when it's over. Okay. Um. So could they just like say it sunsets in five years with every intention to renew it in five years? I mean, if they did that, they probably it probably would have helped. I I don't think it would have survived scrutiny anyway, because hmm. I mean. The, this was, I mean, this was a foregone conclusion. Everyone knew where this was going. Yeah. Based on, like, the the politics of these justices, this was always what's going to happen. It's so fucking weird that these things are decided now based on the politics of the justices rather than anything having to do with the law, and everybody knows it. Eniash, that's not weird. That's how it's always been. God damn it, Wes. Why are you always killing my naivety and idealism? Well, it's called the mind killer for a reason. Ah. <sighs> I used to like my mind. <laughs> well, don't. 
Okay. And now sh- admitting you have a problem is the first step to solving it. <laughs> I think this was a pretty good decision. Um, I think, you know, it's J- Roberts. This is what he does. He just makes shit up about what the precedent says. I think that part was stupid. But in actuality, like, come on, man, this is discrimination. This is racial discrimination. And you can justify it by appealing to diversity. But everyone knows, like, you're just you're just doing like implicit racial quotas. Yes, but it was the good kind of racism. Well, so, it's actually funny. So, Grutter B. Bollinger, what it said was, you can't discriminate to, to correct for past wrongs, which is actually why anyone cares. Like, they're like, look, we, we fucked over minorities, so we want to give them a leg up. That's the actual justification for affirmative action, and everyone knows it. But the Supreme Court precedent said that's not a that's not an acceptable justification. The only acceptable justification is that diversity actually is like a legitimate educational goal because people learn better in diverse environments. Wait, I also think that's a total lie because did we not fuck over any Asians ever? Pretty I mean, sure there I mean, was a Japanese exclusion act, but they don't need the leg up. They're doing pretty fine. sure there was a Chinese exclusion act. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, like just objectively, the Asians are doing fine. As long as they have managed to rebound, then I guess. Yeah. Um, but so so the schools will have to pretend that their goal is diversity. Um, and that's an educational goal and not just a pleasing our donors goal, which is actually what it is. Like everyone. So everyone knows the actual reason they care about diversity is they want to keep the donors happy. They want to they want to keep their prestige and like it would be not prestigious to have like 70% Asians, uh 25% white people and 5% everyone else. Is it keeping the donors happy or is it keeping the college administration happy? Well, it's it's well, that too. I mean, a lot of it is like keeping US News and World Report happy. Yeah. But regardless, like, it's a bad look. Yeah. To be, to, to have, like, mostly Asians and almost no, like, black people, Hispanics, and Native Americans, and other minorities. I Also, this is a point I think was made by Rob Henderson. I don't remember exactly who. Maybe Hania. But a lot of the purpose of these colleges is to serve as networking and mate-finding uh, forums for the elite of our society. And they kind of want to keep it that way. They want those families to be served by this. And that doesn't work if you start letting in a whole bunch of new people who aren't already part of the ruling elite. I mean, I don't know, because they are doing that. Like, the whole affirmative action program is specifically recruiting from people who are not already part of the ruling elite. No, no, but if it was suddenly 75% Asians, that would um, greatly cramp the style of all the white ruling elite that are trying to use these as forums for, you know... Meeting. Yeah, and and also like let's not kid ourselves. People who are getting into Harvard uh, because of their um, diversity quotas or whatever you want to call them, like they're not poor kids from the ghetto who grew up around drug dealers and stuff. They're right. like Barack Obama's kids. Yes, technically they're black, but they're also pretty definitively in the ruling elite by any reasonable definition. Right. Yeah. So there are there are a bunch of concurrences and uh, fair warning for the listeners. I did not read all the concurrences for all these opinions, um, but I did skim them. And uh, the part that jumped out at me was from Gorsuch, where he said where he pointed out that Harvard could replicate its current racial makeup just by doing two things, removing legacy preferences and giving half of the bonus to poor kids that it gives to athletes. Huh. 
And he's like, so if you want diversity, maybe just try that, assholes. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, we're not, we're not going to do that. Removing legacy preference completely destroys the purpose of these places. Exactly, because that's, that's what they're, they're there. for. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, but it's never, it's never a bad time to point out that legacy preferences are uh, just, just make everything they're saying hypocritical all the time. Yeah, they. How much money do they get from the government? They can't just like stop taking the money and become private institutions. I um, guess they don't want to. They don't. Yeah, they don't want to. I mean, Harvard definitely could. They don't need the money. They have millions. They have hundreds of millions in their endowment. I am Does... pretty sure I read somewhere that Harvard could handily uh, maintain operations with no real disruption to funding, just on the interest from their endowment. The yeah, Harvard University true. Endowment has fifty-three billion in assets under 53 management. Fifty-three billion. Good lord. It's a lot of billions. It is a lot of dollars, yes. All right. Um, so there was a dissent by Sotomayor that was uh, joined by Kagan and Jackson. And what this week has taught me is that Sotomayor really wants to be Ruth Bader Ginsburg and is not. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because out. RBG wrote some fucking bangers and Sotomayor writes like dog shit. <laughs> she, but she's clearly trying to do the right, the like oh, man, I'm really, like, talking about the big issues, and I'm the only one who sees things in context, which was, like, that was, like, RBG's thing, and she was really good at it, and it just comes off as, like, hammy from Sotomayor. Maybe she'll get better over time. Everyone needs practice. Yeah, maybe. If she does this on every case, which it sounds like she's gonna. Uh, But she's basically like, well, colorblindness is the real racism. (laughs) <laughs> like all right um and she says well look like society is very racially segregated so schools should be able to help correct that um these two schools it was university of north carolina and harvard were the schools here that were that were the the defendants um you know they have legacies of racial discrimination they're trying to correct for those um and these programs are narrowly tailored and if you go through all the alternatives they don't actually work and it was like you know, she she made some arguments about why they wouldn't work, but I didn't find any of them convincing. Uh, and then just, but like most of it was just like, did you guys know racism is bad? And we used, we, we did a lot of racism. So we're trying to correct for that. Like, it's really bad though. I, I like, have heard that racism was bad. Right. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're not making a legal argument. You're just, you're just, you're making a political argument, which well, I know this is how you guys actually work, but. I, for one, am glad that we are going to make it slightly harder to be racist in admitting people to colleges. Yeah, I mean, so so the question is, are we going to do that? Oh, you think this might not have that effect? Well, because what it's what they said is like, you. I mean, you can still take someone's personal statement into account. And if they write about how, like, you know, they experienced racism and it, it helped improve their character. Well, of course, you can take that into account. Uh, wait, what if I experienced racism, though? Well, exactly. That's nice. what I think we're going to see a lot of is like Asian kids being like, like trying really trying to get like to be the president of the black student union, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. like identifying as a person of color and just saying person of color over and over again and not specifying what color. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Didn't <laughs> Harvard like immediately <laughs> announce that their new admissions criteria would be like would include needing to write an essay about how you faced racial prejudice and how it's affected your life. No, 
They didn't say you needed to experience racial prejudice. They just heavily implied that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's okay then. Yeah. I love that hiding that you're the wrong color is a thing that you have to do to get into Harvard now. I no, I am so looking forward to these essays because I'm sure the best ones are going to hit Twitter mm. and just be like, <laughs> just like so misleading about what race the person is who's writing it. Mm. And I'm just hoping they get enough of that, that it completely confounds the system. And they just have to be like, okay, like we can't figure out who's what race. So we'll just have to do it on merit. The... Which, yeah, they won't. Yeah. They'll figure out a way. They'll figure out good proxies. I know they will. But a guy can hope. Mm. At least it'll make it more costly for them to do so. Well, what actually I think will be what we will make difficult, it will make it more difficult for them to discriminate against Asians. That's good. I think, you know, black people, Hispanics, other minorities will be able to put that in their essay like, hey, I'm a minority. But, you know, white people and Asians probably just won't mention their race. Yeah. So they won't be able to distinguish between white people and Asians. So they won't be able to discriminate against the Asians. Yeah. Now they can still go by your name. Um, but, you know, I feel like the real the real go getters will, will be like, I'm, I'm going to apply under a different name. I'm going to change my name. So it sounds American. Do you even have to apply under your legal name? Probably. Hmm. Okay. But, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you need to send in your high school transcripts, I assume. So, you know, you'd need to plan ahead. But yeah, but as long as you come from a good high school, tiger moms are good at it is planning ahead in specifically that way. <laughs> yeah. And if you come from a good high school, you can identify as someone else. What? You can identify as someone with a different name you than you actually have. That? You can identify as anything. I mean, you have to get you have to you have to do that legally. Mm, not sure if you do. Yeah, I actually don't know. I know there's a lot of cases where if you don't call people by the name they identify as, they get very upset at you. Oh, this is you uh, throwing shade at trans people again. Well, no. I'm just saying that's a thing you can literally do. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, if trans person applies under their, like, chosen name, the schools are definitely not going to be like, no, we need your legal name. Right. Right? Or yeah. maybe they do, they do they do that? I can't imagine they do that. I mean, yeah, so maybe just yeah, so maybe just like pick a name and be like, I'm not Asian. Yeah. I <laughs> pick a black sounding name. <laughs> right. All right. Next case. We gotta move on because uh we've hit like an hour and ten minutes already. Oh Jesus, I gotta leave the house in forty five minutes. All right, well let's go. All right, Biden versus Nebraska. No student loan cancellation. This is bullshit. Wow. Uh I have student loans. I was supposed to get $20,000 of them uh, uh, forgiven for this very smart policy <laughs> with no downsides and no constitutional <laughs> issues. Um, so I don't know what this is about. Um, this was another 6-3 Robert's opinion. And Robert's just creamed his pants on this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, man. I, I just love reading his opinions because I'm like... I can immediately tell when it's him. Uh, so what happened here is that the the only real um, hope for saving this plan, because the conservatives clearly wanted it gone. Um, so well, let's back up. Here's what happened. Um, Biden decided to cancel student loan debt and didn't want to get Congress involved because Congress can't do anything ever. So he said, I'm going to do this by executive order, and I'm going to do it under something called the HEROES Act, which gives the uh, Secretary of Education the authority to um, modify or waive 
um, provisions in the Education Act, um, which which governs how student loans are done, um, pursuant to a national emergency. And he's like, well, all right, we've got a national emergency. We paused student loans, um, which everyone seems to agree was legal. So it's totally reasonable for me to be like, okay, well, pursuant to the state of emergency, no one had any money. They couldn't pay their student loans. um, So we're going to forgive some of them under the HEROES Act. I actually think that was a totally reasonable and uh, uh, good legal analysis. Uh, But, you know, we we have a conservative Supreme Court. And so, of course, they were against this. And the only real hope of it surviving was the standing argument. Because the, the, the people who sued were just a bunch of states. And the states couldn't identify any particular injury here, which is what you need for standing. Now, I hate standing arguments. I think the Supreme Court should just decide things and worry way less about who has standing. By the, like, by the time it gets to the Supreme Court, you're not saving any judicial economy. Like, just decide it. But... They love standing. They think it's super important. Um, and honestly, they shouldn't have had standing here. Um, the standing they found was that Missouri has a government-created corporation that would lose money under the plan because they're like a loan servicer, and they would get fees by servicing these loans. And if you forgive the loans, they get fewer fees. But it's a government-created corporation, but it's not a government-owned corporation. It's a nonprofit. Nobody owns it. It's got its own independent finances. If it makes less money, the state of Missouri doesn't make any less money. It's like a completely separate thing. And there's a Missouri Supreme Court case saying an organization, not this particular organization, but one very much like it, um, that was created the same way and has the same structure, is not part of the state. And, like, whatever it does, it's not state action. It's totally separate. Um... (laughs) But the the Roberts opinion is just like, well, it's basic it's an instrumentality of the state. So it counts. Uh, um the oh the other thing is the actual corporation, you know, it has its independent existence and it was not involved in the case. It was like I don't want to sue. Like it had they they didn't want to sue. They had no they didn't write a uh an amicus brief. They didn't intervene um which they could have at any time. They were staying as far away from this case as possible. Um, and the, but the Supreme Court was just like, well, they have standing anyway. So that's where we are with that. So I guess uh, standing matters if John Roberts thinks it does. I, yeah, standing's annoying. I agree with you on that. Standing point. is annoying. I think they should just be like, look, by the t- if a case gets to the Supreme Court, you know what? We're not going to do the standing thing. Yeah. Um, or maybe we will, but just as like guidance to the lower courts, but we're going to decide the shit anyway. Yeah, because it takes so long and so many resources to get to the fucking court. Just decide, you guys. Um, So they did. They decided it, decided it and said, well, look, waive or nullify. These are ambiguous terms. What does that even mean anyway? Wait, what? Yeah. So modify, you know, it, it just means you can do minor things. It does, you can't you can't uh, create basic and fundamental changes in the scheme. That's not what the word modify means. Are they just making shit up? Yes. Are they modifying Eniage, the words? I've, this is this is what I've been telling you the whole time. They're okay. just making shit up. And 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 you know, similarly, wave. You know, it gives a power to nullify particular legal requirements, whatever that means. It doesn't mean you can like rewrite things, even though it says in there that you can like add things the problem is the education act that that 
there that is at issue here is super broad. And the Supreme Court hates the regulatory state. Um, and we've covered this before, but they have something called the major questions doctrine that says, look, if this is going to create big results, Congress needs to be super explicit about what it says. And if it doesn't explicitly give this particular power, then you can't do it. Congress needs to authorize that in particular, if it's like a, a super big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can quibble about, you know, what does big mean? Like, how how much does this uh, really affect? But everyone agrees here. This is a huge thing. And so it needs to be a uh, it needs to be an explicit get- thing from Congress. It can't just say you can waive or modify the, the act. It means they have to say you can forgive debt. I think that is entirely reasonable. No, that's not reasonable at all. The whole thing is it's about emergencies. It's and it's trying to give the executive authority to take actions in emergencies, including forgiving debts. Yeah, but I don't think blanket forgiveness of all debt in the United States is the sort of thing that this was supposed to do. I mean, like, it was the, supposed to be open-ended. Like, it was explicitly open-ended to be like, well, if there's an emergency, we don't know what the emergency is, so we're going to delegate tons of power to, like, respond to the emergency. Yeah, and they responded to the emergency by suspending everybody's payments for two years. Uh-huh. Like, that is pretty fucking huge on itself. Right, but if you didn't want them to be able to do this, like, don't write the law in a way that anyone giving a reasonable reading to it would, would think that it was allowed. No, I don't think anyone giving a reasonable reading would think it's allowed to just... Forgive so if he says debt. you can waive or modify provisions of this statute pursuant to an emergency, there's an emergency, and they try to waive uh, a provision of the statute. You don't think that was actually the authority they were given? Not, uh, I don't think that... Not to com- be that- both sidesist about this, but I think yeah. we can agree that both sides are kind of dumb and just clearly bottom lining here, and I don't want to have to cut happy news, so I propose we move on. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm, I'm just saying, no, any reasonable reading would say that you cannot just blanket forgive all debt in the U.S. That's stupid. Um, so Kagan wrote a dissent, and Kagan is actually a very good writer. Hmm. So it's much better than Sotomayor's dissents. Um, she basically goes through why Missouri doesn't have standing, which is ba- what we covered before. Um, and basically just covers the arguments um, that I was giving before. It says, like, look, it this whole thing was open-ended because they didn't know what kind of uh, uh, emergency was going to happen. Like, it, and and uh, there's a quote that I really liked. It says, imagine the horrific. A terrorist organization sets off a dirty bomb in Chicago. Beyond causing deaths, the incident leads millions of residents, including many with student loans, to flee the city to escape the radiation. They must find new housing, probably new jobs, and still their student loan bills are coming due every month. To prevent widespread loan delinquencies and defaults, the secretary wants to discharge $10,000 for the class of affected borrowers. Is that legal? Of course it is. It's exactly what Congress provided for. Um, And I think that's powerful because, yeah, that's, that's the whole point of the act. That's why it's there. Yeah, and that's not what happened. No, but it's the same it, thing. No, it's not the same thing at the, all. The only difference is this is bigger. Uh, the only difference is that this has very little to do with anything like that. People stayed exactly where they were. It, Except this for is financially. Just a, this is just an excuse to forgive student loan, which is something they've been wanting to do for a long time. All right. Well, I'll give you the last word on that. We'll move on to Moore versus Harper. Okay. Um, this one was great. Uh, so we actually covered this before when we talked about the independent legislature theory. This was a crazy theory that um, that the Constitution says that the state legislatures get to set legislative districts. And there's a conservative theory out there that says, well, 
That means the state legislature can do what it wants independently of the state constitution, which limits the legislature. Um, so no, you know, vetoes by the governor and no interpretation, no, no, no judicial review, basically, is if the legislature does it, that's the law. Um, the Supreme Court rightfully said no. That is that's crazy. Um, it was six to three uh, people rejecting that idea. Thomas Alito and Gorsuch all decided no. It, it says legislature, so it means legislature. Um, I don't have too much more to say about this other than the the dissent is from Thomas, and I'm very disappointed in Gorsuch for signing on to it because he should know you never sign on to a Thomas dissent. <laughs> the dude's nuts. He throws mm. in all kinds of shit. Like if you want to dissent, you dissent, but write your own. Don't sign a Thomas dissent. So what does this actually mean for the states? Uh, it means it means the status quo is maintained. That wow. If a state Supreme Court says this legislative map is illegal, then it's illegal. Okay. They were just trying to say like, well, actually, it doesn't matter what the state Supreme Court says because it says legislature in the Constitution. I'm surprised that anybody signed on to that, but okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but hopefully that puts it to bed. All right. Um, there was also... A really good argument for a lack of standing here. Oh, my God. Um, but I'm not going to cover it. I'm just going to say it was a pretty good argument, and the Supreme Court, once again, didn't give a shit. <laughs> I think I think the Thomas dissent is right that they shouldn't have standing. But here we are. John Roberts thought there should be standing, so they're standing. They don't have to vote on standing? It's just what John Roberts says? No, they do. But oh, John okay. Roberts is like, I mean, Roberts and Kavanaugh are the swing votes. Gotcha. So if they agree on something, then that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Next case, U.S. versus Texas. Um, this one, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. Um, this basically, this was a standing case. Um, and they said states lack standing to challenge the immigration priorities of the Department of Homeland Security. So what happened was Homeland Security issued regulations saying prioritize criminals and new entrants and basically leave the people who have been here a while alone. Only, you know, go after... Um, illegal immigrants if they have committed a crime or if they've crossed over recently. Hmm. Texas and, and, and Louisiana sued um, claiming that, look, these, there's a statute in place that says what your priorities should be. And it says, well, it doesn't, it doesn't say what priorities are, but it says like you, you know, deport these people or like, you know, it's, it's not um, like a federal statute. Yeah. Like, Congress passed a statute that says Department of Homeland Security needs to, here's the law, you go enforce the law. Um, and the, there was only one actual dissent, so it was an eight-to-one decision that basically says, look, states, you don't have standing here. Um, we've never given you standing to challenge, like, federal priorities before. Um, and the executive has prosecu- prosecutorial discretion here. They... Um, and they and they had a quote that says a citizen lacks standing to contest the policies of the prosecuting authority when he himself is neither prosecuted nor threatened with prosecution. Like that was the precedent from before. So they're like, we're sticking with that. If you're not actually in danger of getting prosecuted, then you don't have standing to challenge prosecutorial decisions. God, I hate all the standing bullshit. Right. I think it's bullshit. Like if the if the you if the federal government is violating the Constitution, somebody should be able to do something. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, I understand the, the thinking behind the standing, which is like, look, if they do something, but it doesn't hurt anybody, then shut the fuck up. Like if you, no one's actually harmed by this, then there's no reason to fight about it. But what actually happens in practice 
is that <laughs> what it means is, well, if everyone's harmed equally, but only a little bit, then nobody can, can sue, which I, don't, I think is dumb. That is very dumb. Yeah. Also, does, this sounds like a case where DHX, DHS is in conflict with Congress since Congress passed one statute and DHS is interpreting it a different way? Well, that's, that, that was the claim where they didn't even get to the merits to say okay. if there was a, uh, a, a conflict there because they, they, punt, they, they decided it on standing issues. Fucking standing. Okay. All right. So, all right. Last Supreme Court case. 303 Creative versus Alanis. This is Gay Wedding Cakes Round 2, except this time it's a website. Who the um, and the court held has, we- has websites for their wedding, gay or otherwise. Oh, my God. They all do now. Are you kidding? Uh... <laughs> that is the correct reaction. Yeah, exactly. So this is a woman who whose business, 303 Creative, was like a web design um, and was like, I want to branch out into weddings, but not if I have to do gay weddings. <laughs> so sued for declaratory relief. Now, I've seen some articles saying like, oh, well, they claimed that there was a uh, somebody contacted them about doing a gay wedding. But the um, so if you see that, I, I don't know what they're talking about because I've read the opinion and it's all hypothetical. Like it's it's all very very clear that like no there's no actual gay wedding here that's at issue she just wants to expand into this area and sued for declaratory relief claiming like i can't expand my business because of this law because it's gonna they're gonna make me do gay weddings Um, which is apparently good enough for standing which good i'm glad Hmm. standing is dumb Hmm. um so the 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 hypothetical facts were stipulated which is that she intends to work with couples to produce a customized story for their website using her words and original artwork. Um, she was going to like meet with them and figure out, you know, things personal to them and using her creativity and creating like a piece of art for their website. Yeah. She was willing to work with anyone. She was willing to work with gay couples or, or gay people or bisexuals or, or whoever. Um, but she just wasn't willing to do a gay wedding. Okay. Um, the court ruled that she had that that it's unconstitutional to prevent her from from doing that. That she can discriminate um, because what she's doing is expressive. That that counts as speech. If you're making your own sort of original artwork and putting your words down, um, that counts as expressive. That's protected by free speech. The state cannot force you to say what it wants. This is very good, right? So it's, I read the, so I read the, um, the decision or the, the syllabus. I really read the syllabus for all these. I didn't read the full decision because like 80 fucking pages. Mm-hmm. The syllabus is pretty good. So I read the syllabus. I skimmed the dissents and it seems like the main conflict here is on the facts, which is weird because the facts are stipulated. No. So what these guys say, is, what the, um, the majority said, which is all the, you know, is six, three again on party lines. Gorsuch opinion. Um, they said, well, look, you can't force um, someone to say what you want. Um, I mean, so if it's so if so and if we made this woman create a gay wedding website, she'd have to say good things about gay weddings. Um, what the dissent says is like, well, no, not really, because in her stipulations, she said she's she's unwilling to do anything for a gay website. 
or for a gay wedding, including just saying, um, here's the date and time, you know, which is not, which is not expressive activity. It's not creative. Um, you know, and, and if, and here's a, a quote, this is actually from Sotomayor, which I thought was uncharacteristically good. She says the company could, for example, offer only wedding websites with biblical quotations describing marriages between one man and one woman. The company could also refuse to include the words love is love if it would not provide those words to any customer, which I think is a pretty good point. But all of this, like, it seems so petty because they're all like, well, you know, the 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 question is, can she put up a a thing on her website or a sign in her window or whatever that says, Mm -hmm. I don't do gay weddings. Right. When everyone agrees, she could put up a sign that says, I don't want to do gay weddings. Right. Or like, please don't ask me to do gay weddings. And then like, presumably some gay people could go in and be like, I want to do a gay wedding and you have to do it for me. And she could be like, "Okay, but I'm putting a bunch of Jesus stuff about how homosexuality is terrible on there. And they'll be like, cool. (laughs) And I'm like, this seems just so low stakes. I I, I mean, I like the result but mainly because i don't feel anybody should have to do work that they don't want to do like that that strikes me as akin to slavery and if i don't want to make a website i should just be able to not make a website for any fucking reason all right non-discrimination is slavery according to Eniash. Mm, no i think <laughs> forcing someone to do work they don't want to do is close to slavery yes, and if what they want to do, if what they don't want to do is make a website for gay weddings or serve food to black people then there you go there to, you well, go to be clear i'm on your side Inyash. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah no so i'm man i don't know i have very mixed feelings about public accommodation laws um which are which is what's at issue here which says like you can't discriminate against people um but i think this one you know if you if you buy that it's okay to say you can't discriminate against gay couples. I still think I still think I agree with this decision. Like this is this woman is making an original expressive artwork. Yeah. Um and I and and then this came up with the cake one too. Um which my preferred resolution for that was like, look, you can't discriminate against people because of their sexual orientation, but if they're asking you to like say something um in support of of something you disagree with, then you should be able to decline. Right. If, so I if think you're, that's reasonable. If you're selling an off-the-shelf cake, you have to sell to everyone. It's only if they want you to do additional work to customize it that you can say no. Like, same way, if you are just selling web space to anybody who wants to come and buy web space, you can't discriminate for various reasons. Right. But if someone wants to hire you to work for them for a number of hours, you can say no. Yeah. Counterpoint. You should be able to do all of that because the people that you're denying service to don't have to pay you, and then the market will solve it. Eh, I'm less on board with that. I think singling out yes, people well, to not do business with them. You're an authoritarian, so there you go. God damn it! <laughs> Sorry. I, so I want to stop kidnappers from driving away with kids in their trunk. Okay. Well, so one of the one of the points that Sotomayor made in the dissent was that. Public accommodation laws, they're not just there to secure equal access to services. That was one thing they're meant to do. But the other thing they're meant to do is ensure equal dignity. Um, so you're not and, – and use a lot of examples of like, okay, what if this was black people? Like we'd all be horrified if a business were able to just say like, you know, you go in and ask for a service. And they're like, ah, uh, yeah, but you're black, so no. 
um, but sort of ignored that this this was a case of people saying they'd work with anybody, just they wouldn't do this specific activity. Um, and again, I didn't think the uh, dissent was very good, and I think like four fifths of it were just waxing poetic about how bad racism is. Um, using words like heartbreaking and extolling the virtues of the brave justices that mm. decided civil rights decisions before. And I'm like, all right, Sotomayor, can you stop laying it on so thick? Why don't you let Kagan write this? One? She's good at this. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think this is a good decision. I, I'm very, like, I, I'm usually in favor of anything that strengthens the First Amendment. Um, and that was a good quote from the case that I liked. It said, the First Amendment's protections belong to all, not just speakers whose motives the government finds worthy. Which I think is important, and I am glad we are reaffirming. I mean, the people that it's most important to are the people that it should most importantly apply to are the people who the government hates. Exactly. You don't need to be free speech protection from speech everyone likes. Yeah. All right. Any more comments? All right. Not an authoritarian, damn it. To happy news. Good news, everyone. All right. What's our happy news? Type 1 diabetes is the type of diabetes that's caused by incident. Insulin, insulin producing beta cells in your pancreas not producing insulin at all that's beta the one cells that's like eniash uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know what the hell that's supposed to mean it doesn't mean anything keep going <laughs> i feel i should be insulted but i'm not sure why uh, drop yeah that was the drop intent one l from <laughs> cells and see if that figure if that helps you figure it out I, it's hard to be called an incel in this particular situation based on shared knowledge. All right, would you just would you just tell us the story? <laughs> okay. Um the this is the this is the one that you get when you're young and not not caused by um environmental shit. Uh anyways, uh now old bad beta cells can be cleared out with a repurposed cancer drug and functioning new beta cells that are produced from stem cells can replace these. Using this sort of uh, replacement via stem cells in human tests, someone had complete restoration of normal function for at least 35 months running. It was amazing. Uh, unfortunately, it had the follow-up of you had to be on immunosuppressants to prevent the body from killing those new beta cells. Womp so, womp. yeah. But in follow-up good news, now there's tests proceeding to encase these beta cells in a channel array device. I don't know what the hell that is. I'm sure it's sciency. Uh, this device allows those Sounds cells to sciency. <laughs> it allows those cells to get nutrients and function while keeping the immune cells away from them. So we might have a full-on cure for type one diabetes soon. It's in human trials nice pretty sweet all right oh this next happy news is from me fucking philadelphia killed it i-95 you guys remember when i-95 collapsed i do it was just before vibe camp and i was was like oh shit what the fuck a whole bridge collapsed it was complete they had to completely rebuild it and as we all know we cannot build anything in america all right we need to do environmental reviews for four years and then you know do competitive bids that takes another six months, and then the first bidder drops out, so you got to do it again, and then like six years later, the bridge is built. Maybe. Right? I-95 was reopened after 12 days. Insane. Nice. Insane. What sorcery was this? Yes. Yeah, so this is like, I, 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 did, I was sure. I saw this bridge down, and I was like, this is going to be at least six months, probably like two years. Yeah. Um, 12 days they got it back up. Now, it's not the permanent bridge. They're working on a permanent bridge, and that's probably going to take a lot longer. But they got this temporary bridge up in 12 days. Traffic is moving. They got three lanes on each side. Incredible job. This is amazing. 10 of 10, no notes. 
I am so happy that America can still do stuff sometimes. Yeah. Now let's just do this all the time for everything. Absolutely. Whatever, whatever like expedited process you use for that, just do it. Use it for everything. Yeah. All right. What's the next happy news? Uh, a houseboat in Florida capsized during a big storm with two women trapped inside it. Ooh, sounds sexy. <laughs> oh, wait, is that not no. the happy news? Is that the happy part? <laughs> that, is, that is not the happy part. Okay, so, sorry, go on. The happy part is that a passing man... Jo- Did somebody add Florida in there? <laughs> <laughs> ah, Florida man to the rescue. <laughs> a passing Florida man, it is true, named Jordan Boyd, jumped into the water from his boat nearby without even putting a life jacket on. Which, for the record, I think he could have taken a few seconds to put on a life jacket. That that should have been a thing he did. What a fucking beta cell. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a fucking Chad. No, I'm talking about jumped... you. What the? Your with mom your, your, is a beta a cell. What the fuck? <laughs> Not that hard to strap on a life jacket real fast, especially if it means that you don't have to be right, rescued right. yourself well, now. So what, what happened? Tell us what he, happened. There's a big-ass storm with six-foot waves. He jumps in the water, grabs a two-by-four, smashes the glass door open, and yeets those ladies out into the open water before their houseboat completely fills up with water and drowns them. Uh, they were then quickly packed up, pack, bleh, quickly picked up by a different passing fishing boat and got back to safety. Uh, Jordan Boyd himself somehow got back to his original boat. There were a number of weird, conflicting stories here. Nobody quite... I couldn't quite tell how exactly he got back to his boat and what happened after this, but the short version is uh, everybody got out of there. (laughs) Is it called swimming? Uh, I'm going to guess he swam. Yeah, to get back to the boat, there's a trick for uh, getting into the boat. Okay. Uh, Point is, everybody is fine. Nobody is drowned. Nobody is even hurt. The world is great, and Jordan Boyd was a fucking Chad. All right. Well, that's our human interest story. So you know what that means. It's time for troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer, and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we will start with David. Yeah, so I went on a hike earlier today. Uh, There are a lot of absolutely gorgeous hikes within very convenient driving distance of Salt Lake City, in case you're here and are into that sort of thing. Uh, But this particular hike kind of went a little bit wrong. I took not one but two wrong turns, uh, and this resulted in me having to climb down the better part of a mountain uh, to get back to my car, and it was on a frankly, probably unsafely steep grade, and I came away from that with a blister on the top of my pinky toe and significant bruising on both of my big toes from uh, my toes getting jammed into the toe of my boots. And so, yeah, that hike ended up being about, like, 30% shorter and 500% harder than I was expecting. And this is my troop deployment because there's a simple fix for not having this sort of thing happen. And that is for owners of trails, all the way from the Federal uh, Bureau of Land Management, all the way down to local and private owners of small nature trails. Mark your fucking trails! It's not that hard to just go out on the trail with a post pounder and put up little signs that say, hey, if you're following this trail, turn off here. It honestly saves a lot of time, a lot of trouble, and in my particular case, 
could have saved me from getting into what was, in retrospect, actually a kind of scarily unsafe situation. Seriously, just do it. It's not that hard, and it's really, really helpful. Doesn't coast bargaining mean that you should possibly offer to pay them a little bit to do this? Uh, Many trails are offered by state and federal governments. Uh, I called out the BLM because they are particularly bad about not marking their trails. Um, The the Department Mm. of Fish and Wildlife is actually quite good about it, so good on you guys, uh, as is the National Park Service. Um, But yeah, uh, federal government agencies are notably unresponsive to COSI and bargaining. Yeah, fuck the government. All right, Eniash. I see you're trying to cram your libertarian cred back in at the end of the pod. (laughs) You (laughs) motherfuckers. Because he loves the government because he wants the cops to shoot everybody. Not everybody, (laughs) just fleeing criminals, goddammit. Just the bad people. Thanks, government. Inyash, aren't you supposed to have kids before you uh, go all... (laughs) Daddy government. I'm practicing, sir. All okay, right. All yeah, right. Everybody be quiet. Everyone quiet except for Eniash. It is your floor. Send us a soldier. Kids are little shits. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, Ayla recently dropped a tweet which uh, said that children are used to scapegoats for a lot of moral compunctions. Uh, if you find something offensive but you don't have a good argument for it, you can just say, oh, it'll hurt the children. Think of the children. I have hated think of the children laws for many, many years. One of the best way to tell a law should be burned with fire is if someone says that it's for the children. We don't want to live in a world that is made for children. We're fucking adults. Uh, but... This helped to clarify something in my mind because she specifically pointed out that children are considered an innocent population. And this didn't used to be the case as much, I think. Uh, I often recall people saying things like kids are little shits. And um, I think that was actually good for society overall because you defanged that the whole purity protection instinct and take away the spiritual power of that. If you just normalize that kids are human and often they can be little shits. And we should actually return to that. It would be better for society. It would be better for all of us and the kids. I also have a direct personal stake in this because while I am still getting over a lot of my self-loathing, I greatly internalized this whole kids are innocent, pure things. And one of the worst things you can do is bring an angelic being into existence just to be inevitably corrupted. That's just monstrously immoral. And... uh, Therefore, good people wouldn't have kids. I am moving away from that quite a bit because I'm growing as a person, damn it. Uh, but, you know, We're all another very thing. proud of you. Thank you. Another thing that would help with that is everybody normalizing the fact that actually kids aren't angelic beings of pure good that are going to be shattered eventually. They're little shits. They're humans that run around and fart and try to take candy from their sister. And uh, sometimes you help them grow into better, stronger people that aren't as shitty. And that is a good and admirable thing to do. So, yeah, you know, normalize treating kids like they're often little shits. It'll it'll help everybody. And it might increase total fertility among the liberals, which is what we want, because we don't want the conservatives out reproducing us. Here, here. I agree. Kids are terrible, except for mine. She's the best. <laughs> All right, my troop deployment this week is about the objective paradox. So as I may have mentioned at the top of the show, this weekend I attended an event called Philly Ratfest, which is uh, a, a gathering of critical rationalists, which are somehow different from Bayesian rationalists. Um, 
I was still kind of unclear about what the differences are, but I know they read a lot of Karl Popper and David Deutsch. But the best, uh, in my opinion, presentation from the weekend was about something called the objective paradox, which is the idea that if you have a goal in mind of what you're trying to accomplish, that will often stifle innovation and actually prevent you from reaching the goal. And the, what the guy did was he was a founder of a website uh, called PickBreeder. And what happened, what, he, what Pick Breeder was, is it would give you some random lines and an image. And you would pick which one you thought was most interesting. And that would be the parent of the next generation. So it would take that and it would do uh, 12 random variations on that. And this is way before uh, Dolly or Mid Journey. So these were like really random. There was, no, there was no algorithm optimizing for anything. So it would create 12 random um, variations on that picture and then you as the user would pick which one of those you thought was you wanted to make the uh the next generation the parent of and you would iterate this over and over until you you know you made a cool picture and people made things really cool but the images they came up with like you would get a skull or a car or a flower or something cool was very unpredictable how you would get there the the intermediate pictures that uh, you used as the parents almost all the time looked nothing like the finished product. And what his takeaway here was is that if you're going, if you're trying to create like really cool stuff and be really innovative, um, it's better to just do what is most interesting. Because if you try, if you have a specific goal in mind, uh, you often don't know how to get there and you'll miss out on lots of interesting stuff that, was presented to you that you ignored because you, it, it wasn't what you thought was in line with your goal. Um, and he showed this um, because they, they, they programmed an, an algorithm to try to make these final images. And, you know, people would make them in like, I think the, the quickest one, it was like 12 iterations. A lot of them were like 70, 75, up to 100. They gave it 30,000 iterations to make this thing. And... Often, it couldn't even do it. And if it got close, it was usually like, you know, 28,000 iterations later. Um, So it's like even if you do accomplish the thing, it takes so much more than just doing what's most interesting. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of just there was a lot of discussion about like, okay, when does this apply and when doesn't it? And and I'm sure there's lots of um, situations in which it doesn't apply you're not always trying to be innovative. You're not always trying to do great things and you can do, you know, moderately successful things by pursuing a goal. But if you really want to, um, to optimize for, for great things and for greatness and for innovation, then um, it's good to go toward what is most interesting um, in, and in machine learning, but also in lots of areas of life. Um, and, you know, when I think about that, I, I think about, you know, the great things that I've accomplished in my life. Um, and it it's really rings true to me that, like, if I started with this as the goal, I never would have gotten here um, because I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have known what goal to pursue. And instead, when I did things like followed what I found interesting or what I found rewarding or what I thought was cool, um, that's actually how... I did most of the things that I'm most proud of. So um, I think this is a good lesson, and, and I uh, I encourage people to take this to heart. I'll put a link in the show notes um, to the guy's book um, because I think I'm going to read it, and I encourage the readers to, or our listeners to check it out. Uh, I think it's very cool. Awesome. All right. 
Well, thank you. That is our podcast. I know it was a long one, but we had lots of Supreme Court opinions to get to. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Please subscribe on Substack. You'll get early episodes. You could have been listening to this a day early. Uh, You get access to bonus episodes. Uh, I know right now you guys usually get only about half of it. Uh, So you could listen to the whole thing and you will get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel, where we just have to listen to you. Whatever you want to say to us, you're paying us. Um, So you can come on that and say whatever you want. Um, So please subscribe on Substack, and we will be back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.